Alright, welcome to Pipsqueak, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. Alright, people, welcome to Pipsqueak, the cafe. You know here at Pipsqueak, we always have a conversation centered around a drink. And today I am drinking on water. Boom, 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 H2O, bam. And I also have me some trusty Red Bull because the brother is tired. Alright, and I am joined in the calf by Denise. Say hello, Denise. Hello, everyone. And what are you drinking on over there, madam? I am actually drinking on some juice from our old Peeps Creek cup. Oh, that cup is old because old. that's the old name. I know. Podcast. That's, ooh, that's old. But right. loyal, I still keep the mug. Loyal, so. either loyal or you just ain't got the money for no new mugs. All right. You All right. Send me no new mugs. <laughs> Today we are going to be doing episode 66 is careless shooter or child protector. Again, this is season two of accused, guilty or innocent. Now, I would tell you more likely than not, this episode may be a little shorter than normal because quite frankly, it wasn't much. Yeah, this episode was kind of boring. All right. So, but look at this. Make sure that you know to support. Boom. Black shit. I saw that. Nice. Did you actually mm-hmm. make that or are you supporting someone? No, I bought this in a bookstore, an African-American bookstore in Philadelphia. Nice. Yep. Did you get one for your son? I got him. A, that's where I got the Nipsey hoodie from. Oh, gotcha. Yep, 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 yep. All right. So we were out last week because someone didn't want to come to her job. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't so, get out of bed. What, what what happened to you? What was going on? I got sick. I after two years, two and a half years of this COVID, COVID finally hit me. Mm. And so you but, you you out there partying in those streets? <laughs> actually, no. I got it from my youngest. He started feeling sick, and then a day later, I started feeling sick, and so I tested him, and he was positive, and then I was positive. So. It was not partying. It was my child. Okay, and is, is that's how Dave, that's how I had COVID before the vaccinations because Davion gave it to me. Mm, that could be, you know. Ugh. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is I I didn't have, I wasn't sick. I, I don't gotta do nothing when I don't even know I had it. But he is the one. He was the one acting like he was dying. So, Again, I don't know about you. I, I don't know, but about me, yes, it was my son. So I'm going to, I am going to say that he <laughs> definitely gave it to me. All right, so let's go and talk a little bit about this particular episode. So this particular episode, we start off in Ladonia, Texas. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that's the proper pronunciation, and okay. we are on September the 11th, 2019. Mm-hmm which is technically was the 18th anniversary of the terrorist attacks in New York, right? Because that was September 11, 2001, Mm -hmm. right? If I remember it correctly. All right. Yeah, 2001. So the the episode kind of starts off where, unlike the traditional um, cases that we talked about on here where someone is calling in to 911, you hear that clip. And this particular episode, it actually starts a little different where it's the police scanner or the mm-hmm. police talking to the dispatcher about what he 
is going to do because the, the the police officer starts with them saying that he was on the way to an assault. There was some um, shots fired or something like that. So he mm-hmm. was en route um, to a particular situation. So when we get there and we open up the scene, we see some, all the folks are white, but we see the white lady screaming. Uh, there's just commotion. I don't even know what's going on initially, right. but it's like this white lady is screaming, saying, get him off my property and pointing it and pointing at someone but in that clip we don't necessarily see who she's pointing to and mm-hmm. she says something about your daughter has marks on her face and blah 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 right yep and so then we have a little cut and it shows that a statement that a child was seeking assistance or seeking help or something mm-hmm. right yeah right. so at that at that time it comes to find out that there is a 12 year old child who purportedly sought help the child was purportedly in the woman's house because she was afraid to come out because according to the lady someone put her hands on her is what the the lady said to the police officer and it seems as if she was referring at that particular time until we find out what really happens that she was referring right. to either the father or stepdad or someone who was in relation with this 12 year old right 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 which I wish these shows would, would just start with the story. Like it went everywhere until the until the actual story. I'm like, come right, on, we right. could have started it's, with what happened. It was all over the place. I think yes. mainly because when the production <laughs> was looking at how to present this episode, they probably said shit, we don't really have nothing. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they technically didn't have nothing really. Oh my God. This episode is so annoying. And so it's not any, getting worse. This the season, season one was right. the best season, yeah. Right. So we may end up if we don't get no juice. We in may this. end up doing two episodes in one just because <laughs> we can't just stop this season. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then you see the police body cam. Apparently you see him picking up a gun, which is AK-47. Mm-hmm. And in the background, a man comes out and says that he fired two shots in the air to scare the other man. And he claims that the other man did not shoot at him. Right. right. All right. Now. This individual, I never got his last name, but it's Brian. I don't know what his last name is. And that's another thing. This they episode, they usually, they did. They oh. actually did. But I, I think I only saw it because I had the captions on. That's the only reason why I saw the last name. What's his name? L- Lapsus, L-A-P-S-Y-S. Oh, okay. And then at the end, remember, with the ceremony, they do say... Oh my god, that stupid <laughs> ceremony! Nobody needs to see that, but we'll but talk yeah. about that. Okay, yeah. It's, so it's, Br- this episode was just bad. All right, so Brian, I think is twenty nine. Oh, I don't need. I didn't even take that down. Okay, <laughs> but it's it's clear that he works manually because every time he was on camera, he was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> He's a welder. I mean, his, his nails were black At the and muddy. Time, He's a welder. Oh, my God. He remind me of this, my father's friend. God rest his soul, my, my father, not my biological father, but, but he had this friend. I don't even know if he's still alive. I don't think so, but maybe. But, oh, my God, his nails were long and so freaking dirty. It looked like it was like mounds and mounds of dirt and oil underneath. It was so but disgusting. You know, I, I've seen those nails, but with this gentleman, Brian, it was his skin. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like I don't the think nails. he washed his hands after he worked. No, it was the, the like the entire skin, the skin's here. It was just dirty. 
Yeah, and then the other thing, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I feel like, okay, if you're going to let cameras in your house, can you at least try clean to clean up, up a little bit? Because that kitchen. Oh, oh, my God, that kitchen was atrocious. I mean, yeah, I know my house ain't always the cleanest, but Jesus I know. Christ. Oh. I know. I when, when she was doing the dishes and I, and I saw that mountain of clothes, I was like, oh, gosh. Like, <sighs> ugh. All right. So, Brian who has been identified as the intervener in this particular case has <laughs> been charged with aggravated assault. So aggravated assault in Texas brings the penalty of up to 20 years, right? In jail. So in Texas, uh, aggravated assault is penal code section 22.02. It's a person who actually commits the the definition or commits the crime of assault, which is 22.01. But in addition to that, the individual either causes seriously bodily injury to another, including the person's spouse, or uses or exhibits a deadly weapon during the commission of the assault. And that is a felony in the second degree. So that is Texas penal code for that. So one thing that the lawyer said, and we we were introduced to his lawyer, and his lawyer is Derek Wapoli. Mm-hmm. And he, he, what he basically said is this. He says the letter of the law for aggravated assault in Texas is that if you intentionally, knowingly, recklessly threaten someone with, a, with serious bodily injury and exhibit a deadly weapon in that process, then therefore you committed um, aggravated assault, right? And then what he does say in addition to that is that while that is true, the letter of the law also says that you can use reasonable force to defend yourself against the attack of another, right? Now, right. now. When he said that, after Brian told the story, I was like, bro, that's not self-defense. <laughs> and, like, and bro, he wasn't reasonably be trying to defend himself from nothing. This guy is just all over the place. All right. right. So you kind of want to tell us what Brian's recitation of the story is? Yes. So <clears throat> Brian starts telling the story and he says that he goes to a neighbor's house because he received a text that another neighbor had beaten his 12-year-old daughter and the daughter had run into the house that Brian was staying at the time to hide, you know, to, to just find another place. So the police had been contacted by whomever these neighbors were or whoever the people involved were. Nosy people, but go ahead. But it, it does look like it's a neighborhood, you know, that they, they hang with each other, you know, they hang in each other's houses a lot. True, but, but still nosy. But go ahead. And, and this is why on the previous episode, she decided to go to the place in the mountains to speak to him <laughs> because <laughs> of what you just said. All right. So Brian continues to say that the father, he's met this guy a couple of times. And every time he's met him, he's drunk and has a, a gun, an AR-15 with him. So knowing this, knowing that this person, every time he's seen him, he's drunk and has a firearm, he, Brian, goes into his garage, and that's when he retrieves the AK-47, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever may happen. And then 20 minutes later, the father of the daughter, I'm sorry, the father of the little girl pulls up, but they do want to specify that it's pitch black. So... You know, the lights, there's lights poles, but one apparently is not working. The other one is, but it's pitch black. And when the man comes into the driveway of Brian's house, Brian can't see if this person has a firearm with him or not. And so 
Brian starts screaming at him, stay back, stay back, stay off my property. But the guy, you know, still continues to move on forward. And so Brian aims his firearm at a 45 degree angle towards the man's direction and then shoots two rounds. All right. So that that that's kind of the story that Brian. Is that the story that Brian gives? Because yes. I also think we, when he goes and talks to his lawyer, we hear a little different version of that. No, this is what Brian said at the beginning. All right. Before talking say, to the lawyer. Before talking to the lawyer or while no, he went in. No, this is while he's sitting with the lawyer. All right. So, because remember, he says, what I recall from that, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that the, the father didn't come until 20 minutes after Brian arrived. Right. Right. So... We don't know what was going on with the little girl. We have no indication from the story that Brian gave. We have no right. indication if she's bruised, if she is suffering some kind of All we know is injury. that she's in his house. That's she's it. in his house, right? That's what we know. But we do know that 20 minutes passed. Right. And then the father shows up and basically was like, give me my daughter, right? She needs to well, come Well, he didn't even say time. anything. He just... Well, the way, the way Brian mentioned this, uh, he comes in 20 minutes later, he pulls up. I can't see his his hands. I start screaming, stay back, stay back, stay mm -hmm. off my property. Mm -hmm. And because the man kept on walking, he shot the rounds. All right. And and what else did he tell his lawyer that he said, well, one mistake I made. Right. And so then he continues. But, you know, after he says that he aimed the gun at a 45 degree angle in the man's direction and fired the two rounds, he says, the minute I fired those two rounds, the cops were already there. So, you know, the cops were pulling in. So remember when I mentioned earlier, the neighbors had already called the cops. So cops were already en route when this was happening. So then that's when, you know, the cops get out of, oh, were you going to say something? No, 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 no. The cops get out of the vehicle and they go, you know, to, to talk to these, the, the parties involved. Mm -hmm. And that's when Brian tells his lawyer, and this is where I made a mistake. Because I told the police that the guy had a gun and he had shot rounds, but he didn't have a gun. I, I didn't know if he had a gun or not. He right. So basically so, so basically what he was saying is that the two shots, right? Right. That were sh the, the shots that Brian actually sent off on his AK-47. Mm -hmm. What Brian told the cops is it was the father who had the gun and it was the father who did the who two shot. shots. Right. Right. And what Brian was saying is that the reason he did that is because he knew within his soul, within the within his body, right? He knew within everything within his being that the father definitely would have had a gun mm -hmm. in his in his possession. In his possession, and so if the cops would have found the gun, therefore they would have known that it would his story, his lie would become truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is really dumb because he also Crazy. indicated that he knew the guy had an AR-14, not an AK-47, which would tell me that the bullets are different. So if they were to recover the bullets, they would know that the bullets came from an mm -hmm. AK-47, not an AR-15. But right. that's the that's the <laughs> in my head, that's the first thing I'm thinking. Like, this story is stupid. Like, what are you talking what are you talking about? Like, it makes absolutely no sense. It's asinine. And then the other thing about this is that notice that when he talked about the guy, right, which which I don't even know. Anyway, when he talked about the father coming up, 
He doesn't mention anything about the guy being aggressive. He doesn't mention mm-hmm. anything about the guy waving something or nope. look as if he's waving something in his hand. He doesn't make any indication that the guy went into his vehicle after he told him to leave, right? And so to me, it was like he already had in his head that he was going to be super vigilante right. um, and be the the neighborhood cop type of guy. Right. And and I think it was based on assumptions because he's seen this man before and he's seen that this man carries, you know, a firearm. He right. just assumed that the man was going to have the firearm with him. But it's like you said, there's a difference if the man gets out of his vehicle and starts, you know, making like gestures like I'm about to shoot you or do something. But there was no indication. There's even a point where they show the man coming out of the car. And the man looks like he's just closing his door. Right. And and when you hear him talking, him being the father, there is no point of a, there is nothing in his voice that made it seem like he was aggressive, as if he was drunk, as if he was agitated. It was more so I got from that is, look, Where is I have my a, daughter? exactly. Why is she over here? Okay? Exactly. <laughs> she needs to bring her ass home exactly. uh, and we need to take, take care of what needs to be taken care of because it sounds like. There were some concerns about her being a little boisterous or maybe not following the rules. And that's exactly what he told the officer. Now, we don't know one way or the other whether or not the guy was abusive. But what the guy did say, the father says, is that you can ask my wife. I've never hit her. I did flick her ear or pull her ear because she irritated me. But the one thing we do know is that the father was never charged with any kind of assault or child abuse or anything like that. Right. Nope. Agree. Yeah. Right. They didn't, if they did, they didn't mention it. They didn't say anything about that. So. Well, they did. They say he was never charged. There was no. Well, they said there was even... no no charges against the father. It came up yeah. on the screen. All right. Oh, so. Gotcha. Then. I was, I was half asleep oh. when I was watching this. <laughs> yeah, this episode was like. <sighs> All right. And then the lawyer decides what he needed to do is to get a little more information is because the wife or the girlfriend was not at home. Right. It was the mother, Brian's mother, who was home, which also anyhow. So the lawyer goes to interview the mother. Well, it was the mother's home. Oh, it was the mother's home. Right. And so Brian at the time was staying with his mother. That's where his mother lives. So when when the lawyer goes to speak to the mom, he's going to the house where everything happened. That's where the mom lives. All right. So let's talk about this story. So the mom says he asked the mom what happened that day and what was her story? So, okay. So the mom is Michelle. She's a youth pastor. And so she received the call. I can't remember from who. From the pastor. From the pastor that, you know, this was going on with the girl and... And, and the girl was, was 12. I think I mistakenly said 15. No, the 12 said, yeah, the girl is 12 years old. And so the girl, she goes to speak to the girl. I can't remember if she goes to speak to the girl. No, or, see, or the, you, you, you making it. See, you, you I must have, have really you, been you might as well want to say what mom. <laughs> so <laughs> I just have what Brian said. That the was mother was interviewed, right, about what happened that day. Now, remember, Brian said he got a phone call because there was a, a girl. Huh? He got a text. text. He got a text because there was a girl essentially seeking shelter in his home because she was under duress. Right. Now, the story the mom gave, right, was that the mom received a phone call from her pastor Mm -hmm. that said that her one of the youth that the mother engaged with in her 
ministerial duties at church, right? Communicated to the pastor that her her dad had put his hands on her, Mm -hmm. right? He didn't say what happened, right? So the mother hears this from the pastor and basically was like, oh, no. And so the mother hangs up the phone, walks across the street, goes to the people's house and went and got the girl <laughs> from the father, from the house. And when when she got to the house, she said that the little 12 year old girl told her that her father and her got into a fight and he put her hands around her neck. Now, right. And she had marks so, on her neck. Marks on her neck. So the mother then brings the child home. Now, the mother doesn't indicate for me. Here's some things that were missing. I don't know if the father was there or not. Right. Or the parents were there or not. But here's some things that's missing for me. The mom didn't indicate when she went in there that she saw the house a, a disarray. She didn't indicate that she saw any kind of weapons or gun or anything that would make it seem like this child was really in danger. Right. Right. She didn't say that she had to take the child to the hospital to get examined or try to figure out what's going on. So she went across the street to rescue a child out of someone else's home based upon the fact that the girl said to her or to a pastor that my dad put his hands on me. right? Right. So she brought him back to the house. And then what she said is when Brian came in, Brian went and got his gun. Right. Right. Now, so for me, that story a is significantly different from the version that Brian gave because it appeared as from the way that Brian gave, it gave the impression that there was imminent danger because that the way he made it appear was that the girl escaped from home and ran over there out of fear in the midst of the commotion. But that's not what happened. Obviously, the mom went across the street, investigated and did what she needed to do and pulled the child out of the home. Now, again, we don't know whether or not the child's parents were in the home or not. But let me tell you this. I wish a motherfucker would mm-hmm. <laughs> come to my house and take my child that I, I don't care what as, as long as the, the child is still breathing. Okay, there is going to be some discipline that happened in this household. I wish a motherfucker would come and take my child out and put him in her home and not let me get my child. And yeah. there was nothing showing imminent threat to my child. Oh my God. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I feel that there was either information that was missing that was not really said in the episode because I cannot understand why, like you mentioned, like for one, why did you immediately take the, the girl out of the house and not right. wait and and just be like, let's we'll call the stay police here? Well, the police had already been called, but it no, was more I, of a. Did Well, see, that's the thing. They didn't make that very clear. The that... episode was very, it, it was all over the place. Like they didn't really indicate a lot of things, but had I been Michelle, which is Brian's mother, and I know this is happening Maybe there's history of this happening before, but regardless, you don't take that child out of the house. Like that's my child. You sit there and you wait until either the mother or the father come in. And at least the girl is going to feel a little bit more secure because there's another adult in the house and she doesn't have to fear the, I need to go to another house to feel protected. So I feel like Michelle should have just sat there and waited until the father and the mother came in. So then she could have had a conversation with them as to what happened. But that didn't even happen. Right. And then I don't understand what was the point of her calling Brian, texting Brian, because 
it, the reality is, is that nothing the mother said at that table made me believe that she really thought that child was in danger. No, it's like you said, Brian's story did make it seem like the, the girl was, she was beat up by the dad so bad right. that she had to flee away or the dad was about to just right. kill her. Right. Whereas the mother's story wasn't that way. It was not. And then we also have to take into account that when the police came, they obviously came and I'm assuming they did their due diligence to actually look at the girl <laughs> because they talked to the father. Right. And so the presumption is, is that there was nothing there that caused them to believe that the girl was harmed in any way. Right. Right. So, so as it ended a, up being that she wasn't even, it wasn't in the neck. He had pulled her by the ears. Ear. Exactly. So like what happened? Like, it was it, just... it, see the way that I looked at it is the mom, Michelle. And again, I don't know, but I'm just the way that the, the episode showed them and viewed them and again. We don't know if there was more to the story that was edited mm -hmm. out or not, but I'm just going by this. I just felt like the mom is one of those individuals who probably feel that you can't do corporal punishment with children, right. that you should not touch them. Maybe they need a timeout. Maybe you need to talk to them. Maybe you need to pray for them. And that very well may be her parenting style, but that's for her to do in her household, not necessarily to relegate that to someone else's household. Right. And it, 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 it further removed the fact that Brian felt that he was in any kind of harm's way. It, it, it's just, it, it just made absolutely no sense. Now, Brian does have a little backstory uh, that maybe caused him to have a hypersensitivity to the issue. You want to tell him what that backstory is? Yeah. So three years prior to the incident, he was at his home and two individuals had picked the lock in his house. And when he woke up, obviously they were trying to rob the house. When he woke up, he had a firearm being pointed at him. And so he starts fighting with, with the dude that has the gun pointed at him. In the meantime, the other guy shots at Brian. And so it hits one shot, hits him in the back of the shoulder, comes out in the front of the shoulder. The other shot is in Brian's arm. And so as he's running out to leave, another shot hits him in the waist. Yeah. And so what the, the, the defense is saying as part of their strategy is that because of that situation that occurred, and unfortunately, that's a very unfortunate situation for anyone to mm -hmm. be in. So, you know, and he showed all of the wounds that he had and the scars he had as a result of that. But what the defense is basically saying is that because of that experience, Brian experienced PTSD. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, he's more hypersensitive. Now, some people may say, well, because he was a victim of, of gun violence, then there may be maybe mm -hmm. the inverse should have happened in a sense that the PTSD should be that he should be afraid of guns. Right. That's one perspective that people may have as a result of that. But Brian's perspective is, is that it caused him to not only be hypersensitive, sensitive hypersensitive to the issue but it also told him that he needs to protect himself at all all options right. and therefore he needs to be more comfortable with guns right? right so what was your what was your reaction to the defense strategy in regards to the ptsd related to the home invasion and brian's actions on september 11 2019 so you know i am going to think as a juror right in case this this <laughs> It's just because, again, based on what they presented to us, I get the PTSD and I get the need for him to always carry a firearm. <clears throat> but I, 
I didn't feel that the man was a threat. Go ahead. Sorry. What were you gonna say? I I thought that I thought that strategy was bullshit. I'm just gonna yeah, say, yeah, like I, I I felt like they did that for sympathy purposes. And granted, yes, I understand yes. it. But the two scenarios are not the same. They're no way near the same. And keep in mind, it's not that he was just carrying a gun on him. Brian left his friend's house, came home, went went into a garage to find an AK-47, then stationed himself in front of his vehicle like he was in Iraq. Right, you're right, you're right. Aiming a gun waiting now again waiting for the father to come not knowing a if the father was even coming not having any conversation with the father to indicate whether or not there was aggression in his tone you know i could see if you said i'll be able to get my motherfucking daughter if you don't give him a beat your fucking ass okay i get that right that's a threat you know right we there's none of that right so he that's what i feel and he waited 20 minutes they must have left some stuff out because this all of this doesn't make sense it will only make sense if like you mentioned there have been some type of conversation between the father or the mother of the of the girl to say he's on his way to go pick her up and he is not happy and you know this and that but none of that was indicated so it's like i don't know (laughs) i don't know crazy i think it was some hogwash it was some bullshit you don't you don't you don't get to stake out twenty minutes and wait for somebody to arrive, and it's pitch dark. And then as soon as the person gets out their van, you scream, "Get off my property!" When he you know that he's coming to get his daughter, who you don't have the right to have in your house anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and then you aim the gun at him. Now, remind you, keep in mind when he first talked to the the lawyer, he didn't say I aimed at him right until right. Till they were watching the evidence video, right? The video. Exactly, and he said, right. well, most of the time the gun was aimed at him. And then I aimed at 45 degrees and I shot twice. And I'm like, bro, that's an AK-47. You're shooting in the air randomly. Now, what if the, the bullets would have fell down and hit someone else? Mm-hmm. You would be responsible for that. Like, you, you are supposed to be a volunteer out of firefighter or something. Yes, or? Uh, yeah, for two years. Like right. So those are things that you should be cognizant of, and you should have enough understanding to know that your gun could be could create some damage for someone else. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yep. And keep in mind, it's pitch black. You don't know who's out there. You don't know who's standing in the, I don't care how rural the area is. You don't know if there's kids playing in some random field. Exactly. Exactly. Or if the man would have brought other people with him and they're in the car. It's just just stupid, right? And then we we get to see the video, more video footage of what happened with the cops there. And the you hear the cops tell the guy, bruh, this man doesn't have any kind of weapons on him at all. Mm -hmm. Like, what what were you thinking? And then you lied to me. What was the point of you lying to me? Right. <laughs> right. And, and and Brian was like, Well, yeah, I, I mean, I did lie to you, but I didn't I didn't mean to, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, this is just well, we, we do have to say that that Brian does admit, you know, he admits to the lawyer that he did make the mistake, but when the police go and question him again, he does admit to lying. 
So he does tell them that he's the one who actually shot. So he did admit, and so the lawyer does say, immediately after you tell them that, the cop turns around and ends up saying that as the man was leaving, you shot him. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want, you know, they, they wanted the story to be more of the, not the, what the cop has said, because then Brian, they wouldn't believe Brian's story. Yeah. But I just think if I was on a juror and I heard that and I, and come to find out, I knew a, that he lied to the cop, but I also mm -hmm. knew why he lied to the cop. I just say that was planned. I mean, you literally sat there and came up with a, a stupid ass story, story mm -hmm. because you knew that this guy in your head, you knew this guy had a gun. So you were basically going to plot evidence against someone else to take the fall for something that you did when you're supposed to be a intervener. Those are not actions of an intervener, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. so, I mean, I just didn't buy it. I'm sorry. And then even in the reenactment, the reenactment, <laughs> I mean, he, you saw the way he was standing in front of the vehicle, aiming that gun. Yeah. And then when the cops come, he immediately hides the gun underneath the vehicle. Yeah. It was just sneaky. Everything like it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. And and then, and I don't even know why the prosecute. So at the end of the day, the prosecution decided to give a plea deal in this particular case. And the plea deal initially was, is that if he were to admit to providing Wait, a false before statement. before you, you talk about or, the plea deal, when, yeah. you know, when they took him to do the mock trial. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, you cannot sit there and answer these questions the way you answering them. Like, yeah. like. He, what was one of the questions? Why did you why did you have a gun with you? Well, that's my constitutional right. He just had an attitude throughout the entire mock trial. Yeah, he he didn't come off as the most um, sympathetic witness, particularly given the circumstances of the case. I mean, the case is is that you're supposed to be such a caring individual, right? Because remember, the cop. I mean, excuse me, the lawyers. One of the lawyer strategy was to say that Brian is a hero. Remember, sir. <laughs> so you when he can't... said a hero, I was like, "Where?" <laughs> when he went for the fire, and when he was a volunteer firefighter, because he's a hero in this instance. He was trying to save a girl's life. Yeah, you can't be a hero and then be confrontational for no reason. Exactly. Um, as a witness, but yeah, I I wasn't even going to talk about the mic drop. But go ahead. Anything it was only on because when he, it was just his attitude. I I kept watching it, and I was like. If you're going to do that, if they if they call you to the stand and you are going to act that way, they're go they're going to be like no, he he is guilty. Yeah. Yeah. And so they offer a plea deal. The plea deal was for him to they would drop the aggravated assault and if he were to plead to providing a false statement to an officer, which is something he actually did, right? Which he actually admitted to doing. Right. Which they had on tapes of him saying mm -hmm. I did this. But Brian's perspective was nah because i've been on probation during this entire time and i'm tired of having to communicate with my probation officer um and so if i were to plead to this you know more likely than not i would have additional or continued probation so he didn't want to do that right right and so they were gearing up to go to trial and then apparently there was some other kind of plea deal offered which is basically if he admits to well, it was his lawyer because his lawyer says 
he sent an email to the prosecution and said, because or the original plea was guilty to the, the you know, what was it again? Lying to the police yeah, with two years probation. And yeah. so he was like, I've been a year and a half waiting for this on probation. Why can't it be time served? And so the lawyer, his lawyer, Brian's lawyer, went back and sent an email to the prosecution to say that, he'll plead regard. guilty, but for six, six months. So he will only and, serve six months probation. And that's when the law, the prosecution came back and then gave that final one. Yeah. So ultimately, that's how that particular case ended. I mean, so Brian accepted the plea deal, which ended up being he admitted guilty. Time, time served, basically, and he had to go. Yeah. To, he had to go to jail for one day. One day, yeah. Bail in, yeah, bail out. Yeah, but the way you ending the episode, like, because <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I was so annoyed by. I mean, there are so many other cases that I think A and E can be diving into to get a better feel for accused, guilty, or innocent, right? right. Uh, and I honestly, per, I mean, part of me is. I'm feeling like I would like them to, I would like more urban examples, like people living in the city. I know because all um, these episodes are rural, like rural, like in random even people. know that exists. Right. And I'm like, I mean, why don't you go into the city like and get some real shit that yeah. is going to be something we could talk about and really talk about the criminal justice system. And, but you know, what does this case does represent as a lot of these cases represent is the power of negotiation between the lawyers, right. And the power of prosecutors, right. To determine what charges to bring forth, to determine what types of plea deals to give. And it also indicates the import of having a good advocate on your side mm -hmm. as a defendant um, so that you can get something valuable out of that particular process, right? And I don't think that Mr. Rapoli, or Derek, right, is his name. I don't think he was a public defender. I think they had to charge. He was been he was he was for hire. <laughs> the lawyer. Oh, I got you. I don't think he was a public defender. I don't think they said he was. Mm -mm, no, because he was also talking about his partner. So, you know. Yeah, which his partner it, does show up here too. Yeah. But so, and then the day before he was, he had to turn himself in for that day in in jail. He got married to his sweetheart in the backyard. <laughs> he got married to Brie, his fiance. They have a, they had a newborn, not a newborn Six baby, months. but. Yeah, and and a stepson that was eleven years old. Yeah, so I'm assuming and so they that was got married the day before at their home in the backyard. Actually, it looked like it was in the front. But congratulations to them. Congratulations to them. All right. So anyhow, make sure that you <laughs> make sure that you contact us on IG, Twitter, and Twitch at Peeps Creek. You can watch us on YouTube at peeps creek podcast you can hit us up on facebook at peeps creek cafe um you can send us an email at cafe at peeps .com. you can go to our website at www.peepscreek.com all the videos and audios there as long as as well as all the transcripts of the episodes and did i do everything you did oh and you can get all of the links to 
everything there at cafe.peepscreek.com backslash links. All right. So I want to thank Denise for being in. You want to say something? Thank you for having me. Everything you've heard in the episode is our opinion, just in case, you know, because we already have that history with lawyers trying to put stuff. So it's just our opinion. And I hope you guys watch the show. All right. All right. All right. So until next time, make sure that you wait. By the way, you all should might notice I got some new lenses on this camera. Boom, boom, boom. Give me that definition. You get to see no, that beautiful black skin. Look at that. That brown. Boom, boom, boom. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> until next time, make sure that you continue to drink, listen, and converse. Peace and love. Oh, you can wave now because now I brought you back. Peace out. Thanks for your help. You're welcome. Bye.